will be in the book of John. <clears throat> Excuse me, the book of John, chapter 5, is where we'll be at in the scriptures this morning. John chapter 5, we'll start reading with verse 1. And when you get to John chapter 5, verse 1, uh, would you please stand uh, this morning to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God? John chapter 5, verse 1, if you can, please stand. Very familiar story that a lot of us know. John chapter 5, verse 1, the Word of God says this, is after these, excuse me, after this, uh, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another one steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then they asked him, then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed was not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. And verse 15 says this, And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We thank you uh, for your presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord Father, that can help us, that can guide us, that can uh, give us direction. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this church. I pray that you'll uh, give us the guidance, give us the direction, give us the love that we so stand in need of. Lord, I, I thank you for a humble home and glory. I thank you for a Jesus that died on the cross for me. I, I thank you, Lord Father, for the many things that you blessed me in my life and given me a, a family that loves me, a, a church, Lord Father, that continues to, to pray for me. Lord, I thank you, Lord Father, for the friendships that we have and that we've made, Lord Father, because of your divine will and your divine grace. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. amen. Now we see here in the book of John chapter 5, uh, verse 1, it goes on to say, After this there was a feast of the Jews. Now let me hand off my little girl here. And she's so good at sneaking up here while nobody's watching her. It says, after this was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, uh, the important part to understand in the beginning of the book of John, chapter 5 here, is uh, this wasn't a small group of people that was going to be around. This was a feast. Now, there's a lot of opinions about which feast there was. If you study the Old Testament and you study a lot of their feasts, there was quite a few of them. Uh, uh, they can't really pinpoint down exactly which feast this was. A lot of opinions. Uh, I try not to preach too many opinions in the, in the church house today, but the, we, we have one thing we understand, that there was a crowd of people. Uh, there was people that had came from all over uh, 
to come to the city of Jerusalem. Now, in verse 2, it says this, is now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. Now, we're close to the sheep market. And if you understand what the sheep market was, uh, uh, the sheep market is close to something that's called the sheep gate. And if you've never understood or studied the gates, uh, uh, there is a lot of gates into the city of Jerusalem. And now each gate has a purpose and each gate has a location, uh, obviously, of where it's at. Uh, but the book of Nehemiah is the only place that I have found uh, where it literally lists off the gates uh, and it describes exactly uh, how the gates were put back up and how they were sort of to be used and understand. Uh, now in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3, it starts off that chapter with this. It says, Then Eliab, uh, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, uh, and they builded the sheep gate. Uh, now that, that's the very first gate when they start to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, that's the first gate that they take care of is the sheep gate. Uh, they put the sheep gate back up uh, and they take care of that one. If you read the rest of chapter 3, it talks about all. I didn't, I didn't count them and I didn't uh, focus on the names of them. Uh, but if you read chapter 3, verse 1, you start with the sheep gate and if you read through chapter 3 it describes all the gates and praise the Lord, when you get to the last verse verse 32, it says in between the going up of the corner of the sheep gate praise the Lord, they started with the sheep gate they finished with the sheep gate when they was building them back, if you read and understand this, the sheep gate was the gate that was set up, now I don't believe it was very big, I believe it was a small gate I believe it only had one small special purpose, and that's why it was called the Sheep Gate. If you understand sacrifice, if you understand the people that had to bring the sacrifice, so many of them involved sheep, involved the people bringing the sheep. If the shepherds had to bring in a sheep for a sacrifice to appoint, to anoint for their sins, to pay for their debt, the sheep had to go through the Sheep Gate. The sheep had to go through that one. If you read Nehemiah, it does not mention any any locks. It does not mention any bars. Every other gate in the city of Jerusalem had bars and it had locks. And why was that? It was so you could lock up the city. It was to protect the city of Jerusalem. Now this gate wasn't locked. I want you to know why the sheep gate wasn't locked. The sheep gate was not locked. It did not have bars on it because it was designed for anybody at any moment to to bring a sacrifice uh, uh, to pay for their sins. Uh, it was not closed for anybody. A Gentile could bring a sheep over to the sheep gate. A Jew could bring a, a sheep over to the sheep gate. And at any moment that gate was manned and people could bring in what they needed. Uh, praise the Lord. It wasn't something that was locked up. It was the beginning and it was the end. Uh, just as he is Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, Jesus Christ, the representation of the sheep gate. He's open today for business 100%. If you want to be saved today, He's open and willing and able to take you in. He will open those gates and they're not shut. Now I know I just preached a message to you about the sheep gate. And that's not the point of the message. The pool of Bethesda was at the sheep gate. It has an important understanding about the sheep gate and what it was designed for. When Jesus went back to be hung on that cruel cross of Calvary, He went through the sheep gate into Jerusalem. And when He came through Jerusalem so many times, He was close to that old sheep gate. If you look at a map, it's in the northwest corner if you want to really understand where Jesus came in. 
He came in, no locks, no bars, designed for people to bring in their sacrifice. It was open to all. In verse 3, it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Now, I'm gonna, I, I want to really point this out to you. What this, this 3 through 7 here is pretty bad to think about here. It says they was blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, these were lame, blind, sick, downtrodden, sad, persecuted. These were people that was in bad shape. I have been in bad shape before. It says, Zach, I don't think you've ever been homeless on the side of the road begging. I want you to know it's by the grace of God that I haven't been in that situation. I want you to know He's always taken care of me. And some of us have been through harder times than somebody else. But I want you to realize the people that was laying here by the pool at Bethesda was a great multitude of folks that could not do anything for themselves. They could not find doctors or had enough money to pay to treat themselves. Uh, they had come falling away, had diseases. Uh, there was paralyzed people. There were people that couldn't get around. Uh, uh, there was all kinds of sadness. The, uh, the view that Jesus saw walking by the pool of Bethesda was something horrific. It was something walking down some of the, the back streets of Atlanta, uh, seeing the streets in California of homeless people uh, scattered about. It was seeing uh, some of these places that has no hope. They have no joy. They have all kinds of broken about them. They could do nothing but their sails, but to lay by a pool hoping and waiting and looking for a little stirring of water. Now I want you to know something. That's, that's hopelessness. That's sadness. That is such bad, a bad position to be in that you're laying by a pool waiting. I can't imagine what those people had been going through. Some of them been waiting for days, months, years. They have such a bad thing about them that they are waiting by a pool. Now this is the perfect picture of the world. Do do y'all realize that? Do y'all realize that it is a perfect picture? The pool at Bethesda is a symbolism of the lost people in the church and a symbolism of the world. The world, I want you to understand, the world is out there looking for something that will fix them. Do y'all know that? There is a whole multitude of people in this world right now that is looking for something that will fix them. They're looking for it through all kinds of avenues, through drugs, through alcohol, through violence, through through gambling, through whatever. They're trying to find it in some sort of way through profanity, through, through hanging out with people, through partying all night long and doing whatever they want to. They think that that will fix them. They're laying at the pool of Bethesda, grabbing onto everything in this world and saying, if I just get a little bit more, I'm going to feel better tomorrow. And at the pool of Bethesda, I want you to realize verse 4. I'll read verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, if you have multiple different translations of the Bible, it does not have verse 4 in it. And I'm not preaching to you that it's got to be in there. It doesn't got to be in there. But I want you to realize that verse is not important to this story. That verse is not important. The important part to focus on is verses 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Let's skip verse 4 just for a brief time this morning. 
Now there was something that troubled that water. Something happened in the water and there was a healing and a lot of people believe this might be a little bit of a folklore. It became sort of an idea of the people around them that something is happening. If I get into the water, if I touch it, if I get close enough, there's something supernatural there. Now I like that thought process because first of all, a lot of times the things of this world look good, they appeal to us and they we think that it's good for us. We think that hanging out with people and having friends and, and going through the motions, uh, uh, just as these people thought, uh, if there's just that little bit of an inkling in that water, if a spring uh, bubbles up a little bit of a, a bubbles into there, if I can chase bubbles, I'll get healing. Yeah. Do y'all realize how silly that sounds? If I chase a ripple in the water, I'll be healed. Yeah. If I could just get some more friends to hang out with me on Friday nights, if I could find something to do on Sunday morning other than going to church. If I could find a, a preacher that will tickle my ear and tell me everything's good. If I can get a house, if I can get a car, if I can find something to make me feel better, I'll be better tomorrow. That's what the pool of Bethesda had become. It had become a false hope. It had become something that you could not hold anything, any value to. This man had wasted 38 years at a pool with a bunch of other lame people that couldn't get there on time. Well, I'd almost like to think that maybe if them ripples hit just time, if you didn't get before the ripples hit the side of the pool, you didn't get healed. I don't know what was going on with that pool. There was something amazing going on with that pool, but I want you to know something. It wasn't as amazing as somebody that was about to walk by. It says in verse 5, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. Boy, he's focused. He's been there 38 years. Now, if somebody's there 38 years, think about this, church. If he's been there 38 years, that's most of his life probably. Think about that, young folks. Think about that older folks. What have you been wasting your time on, on that you're going to sink your whole life into laying by a pool of Bethesda? Are you laying down next to something hoping that things are going to get better tomorrow? If I could just get there in time, if I could just do the right things, if I just get the right education, if I just get the right job, if I get the right retirement, if I get the right this and that. We've got a group of folks growing up uh, that they're hammered and hammered, go to school and go to college, and I won't knock that one bit, uh, but I want you to know something. Uh, if you enslave to your job and you don't love your family, if you enslave to your job and you don't get to praise the Lord and, and come and worship Him, if you slave to your job and you don't enjoy life any longer because you're wrapped up uh, in man's creation of a job, I want you to know something. You need to stop. We have a whole group of people that's laying by that pool of Bethesda, waiting. Now they're laying by it, and they've got an infirmity, infirmity of 30 and 8 years. I want you to know what Jesus did in verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I like to rephrase that question. That's tough reading King James and thinking about what he said right there. Wilt thou be made whole? He walked by him and he said, Do you want to be healed? Do you want a healing touch? 
Do you want to be able to walk with nobody to help you? Do you want to be able to get up off that old blanket that you got laying next to you or a real old thin rug, whatever it was? Do you want to be able to get up, rejoice, and praise, and walk, and, and do the things that God had blessed you to do? Do you want to defeat this sickness, this deafness, this, this thing that's bringing you down, it's bringing you depression, whatever it is, do you want to defeat it? That's what he said to that man. Well, thou be made whole. Boy, I want you to know, Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew that he'd been there for 38 years. You don't see him ask him. He says, will thou be made whole? I want you to realize something today, church, lost folks, Christian folks, whoever you are, whoever needs to hear the message this morning, will thou be made whole? Do you want the Lord to help you? Do you want help today? I want help. Uh, praise the Lord. I want Him to help me. I want Him to reach out and touch me. I want Him to give me a reason to shout. I want Him to get me up in the mornings and, and praise the Lord because that's all I want to focus on that day is Him because He's that good. Will thou be made whole? I ask you today, what are you waiting on? Hey, Jesus has come on by. He, the, the Bible says He stands at the door and He knocks. Church, Lost people today, boy, we've got something to be excited about. Well, thou be made whole. It says in verse 7, and 7 is important. It says, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. <laughs> boy, oh, good glory almighty. He asked him, will that be made whole? And the man was focused on, I don't have anybody to get me to the pool. He says, I don't have a man. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Praise the Lord. He says, Jesus, uh, I want to be healed. I want to get this, what I need in this pool. But praise the Lord, I can't get down in there. I'm paralyzed. I can't get around good. Uh, my joints are stiff. Uh, I can't get, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I'm not strong enough. Uh, I don't have enough resources. Uh, I'm not good enough. Uh, I, I'm not quick. Uh, I don't have somebody to help me. Uh, praise the Lord today. You don't need help this morning. And he didn't either. <laughs> This man had been laying by a poolside for 38 years uh, trying to get into it. He wasn't fast enough, strong enough, had enough money, had nobody to help him. Right. And boy, you don't either. No. I didn't ever have nobody to help me get enough to get close enough to get healing. I ain't never had nobody to help me get to a place where I can get right with the Lord. I ain't never had somebody to pray a prayer for me uh, to heal me and cleanse me from my wickedness. But I want you to know something. Nothing you can do is going to fix you. Nothing you can do is going to fix your problems. This old man, when Jesus said, Would that be made whole? He said, Lord, I can't get down there. Lord, I can't make it down there on my own. I can't do it. I ain't got nobody to help me. And what did Jesus say? In verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. I'm glad. <laughs> Jesus spoke into existence what a crippled man had been waiting on for 38 years. Y'all realize that? 
Boy, if I don't put a rejoicing, a joy in your heart to think of a man crippled laying by a poolside uh, for 38 years in depression and all kinds of agony and never knowing that he'll never make it to that place because nobody will help him, nobody will lift him up, he has no strength, he has no money. Jesus fixed it just by speaking it. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Hey, today, church, if you've got problems, rise up and go find him. Rise up and he'll give you what you stand in need of. I want you to know there's a lot of folks today laying by a pool of Bethesda that needs healing. There's people today that are lost that need Jesus Christ. And their biggest excuse is, Lord, I don't think I can do it on my own. Lord, I'm too bad. Lord, I've done enough bad things in this world to send me to hell. You'll never fix me. Lord, this person has been laying there 38 years, never thought he could make it. Well, I said to myself when I was a young man, I got saved at 15 years old. I should have got saved before then. I said a lot of times to myself, I said, I'm just going to keep on going and doing what I want. I'm going to keep on doing whatever I want to. And I got saved at 15. I made a lot of mistakes, and I've said that before, and I'll say it for the rest of my life. But I want you to know something. I realized at some point in my life, I had Jesus. I had accepted Him. He had come to that pool of Bethesda for me, a place that I could never make it to. I was too crippled. I wasn't strong enough. I never had nobody to help me. But he helped me. He didn't have to grab me by the arm and pick me up. He just spoke it. Ain't it good to know that we have a Savior? That when you pray to Him and you speak to Him, that He hears your prayers. He's bearing right hand to the intercessor in heaven and He can heal you by speaking it. I'm not preaching healing salvation here this morning. I'm preaching He can help you. In verse number 7, He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't quick enough. Verse 8, He tells him to take up thy bed and walk, praise the Lord. And in verse 9, I like the second word of that. It appears a lot in Scripture because that's how Jesus works. He says, and immediately, and immediately, the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. A praise the Lord. Immediately you are going to be healed when Jesus is there on the scene. You don't have to worry about the second part. We preached it a while back about the woman touching the hem of his garment. I believe it was that first step. It was faith that she had. It was faith in this man. I'm going to trust whatever this man is saying to me. I want you to realize something. He didn't know who he was. Y'all realize that? It does not say anywhere. We're going to see it in a minute. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know who Jesus was that came to him and asked him, will that be made whole? There's a lot of you today that's coming to church, lost as lost can be. He's whispering in your ear, will that be made whole? You don't know who he is. (laughs) You don't really know who he is. He's saying, I don't understand why I get nervous. I don't understand why I feel a need to repent, why I feel tears running down my cheek and I don't, I don't turn to Him. I, I run as far away as I can. I get nervous to get out of that church house. And once I get out and away, He keeps attacking me even when I get away from the church house. Yes, That's because He has told you to take up my bed and walk. Get out of your problems. I'm here. Immediately He was made whole. Immediately. I can't... 38 years... That man's been laying there. And this simple man told him to rise up, take up thy bed and walk, and he healed him. 
That's how good my God is. You can waste your time waiting on things of this world, or you can go find Jesus. Y'all realize that? You can lay by the pool of Bethesda and have a sorrowful day and have an old pity party, woe is me, or you can get up and go find Jesus. Yes, now, he laid by that old pool long enough. I believe Jesus, when He walked by, and said, this man wants to be healed, and He'll do whatever it takes to be healed. And I hope that you've got to the point this morning that you're in sin so deep that you've realized that you'll do whatever it takes yes, to get forgiven. Yes. I'm glad it's simple. Go to Jesus. <coughs> verse 10. I, I'm going to finish up verse 9 there. On the same day was the Sabbath. I'm glad that Jesus, when He healed on the Sabbath, He said, you know, I created this anyway. I'll do with it whatever I feel like. Yeah. He created the Sabbath uh, for a day of rest. and They had done legalized it. I, I get to it. The Jews therefore said unto Him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Oh boy. Oh, Senator Dunham broke rule number 387. <laughs> Don't rise up and work on the Sabbath. I like his response. He answered him, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. <laughs> In so many words in the American English language, I want you to understand what he said. I think he was a little smart. I think he was kind of like this. I think he said, You know, if he was good enough to heal me, he's good enough to tell me to rise up with my bed. If he's good enough to tell me and bless me and say, stand up and be whole, and I stood up and was whole, and he has enough authority to tell me to pick up my bed and walk, you become too legalistic. And then they asked him, what man is that which saith unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? They wanted to know, who was it that told you on the Sabbath day to rise up and walk? Who told you to go against? The law. What does it say? And he that was healed was not who it was. And I'll explain that. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in as a big group of people. I'd like to think it was a big group. I'd like to think that that old fellow never even looked at Jesus. He was so depressed, so downtrodden, such in a bad way. I can't imagine. Imagine day six that he was laying by the pool of Bethesda waiting to get in. I don't think he was as bad shape as he was then. Think about day 60. Think about year 6. Think about all that time he laid there and the only people he had around him was people that was trying to beat him to that water. Then people hated each other's guts. They wanted to be the first ones in that water. They had no respect for each other. They had no friends. 38 years he'd been laying there with people that hated his guts. Nobody wanted to help him. Nobody loved him. But after 38 years, a depressed man that couldn't raise up his face and look at somebody else was told to rise up. Take up thy bed and walk. Such a depressed man, even not looking up at him, he, what did he do? He stood up. Never looked him in the eye. Never looked him in the face and realized who he was. There's so many people today that I want you to know they get saved in an altar. They don't understand what saved them. And I tell you what, I, I question sometimes if I understood it. So I got saved going out the, the front doors of a church. I had a fellow ask me if I had been saved before. It took that in my life at 15 years old. He asked me if I had been saved, and I'm ashamed to say this. I told him, yeah, I had been saved. 
And the man of God said, excuse me. And I stopped and I said, no, I've never been saved. He pulled me to the side and we, we talked together, we prayed, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior on the outside of the church doors. I didn't get saved in an altar. I didn't get saved at home. I got saved on a porch outside of church in the weather and it was hot. It was in September. I want you to know something, church. It took that. It took somebody saying something to me and today if that man was lined up in a row, I couldn't pick out his face. Couldn't pick out his face. Don't know his name. But I know the one that saved me. This man didn't look at Jesus physically in the face. But he knew his spirit. He knew the feeling that he got around him. And what happened? Afterward, Jesus findeth him in verse 14 in the temple. Now why do you reckon a man laying by a pool for 38 years was just healed spontaneously by somebody saying, Rise up, take up thy bed and walk? Now why in the world would somebody like that be found in the temple? Oh, he was out there praising God. He didn't know who had fixed him. He didn't know where to find him. But he knew where his God lied. He knew where God was at. I'm glad today that we can find a place where God is. He said, he went to him and he, he conveyed himself away and he found him in the temple. He said, behold, thou art made whole. And Jesus did this very few times in Scripture. I want you to realize what he said to him. He says, thou art made whole. He told him to sin no more. But he said something after that that really caught my eye. He said, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now this man, laying by a pool for 38 years, couldn't get around, couldn't get up enough strength to get to the pool to get into it, depressed, uh, didn't even look at the face of Jesus at the point in his life. Jesus healed him and Jesus found him in a temple and said, hey, you've been made whole, praise the Lord. Don't sin anymore. And if you do sin you may end up worse than you was. Now that's scary. <laughs> hey, Christians today, y'all need to wake up. I ain't looking at one of you, I'm looking at all of you. If you're saved today, and you're a Christian, and you're falling by the wayside and living a sinful life, you best wake up. The Lord won't bless, won't bless sin. Uh, the Lord will not bless a church that is sinful. The Lord will not bless a community that is running full of sin. I want you to know that. He will not bless your family if you have a heart and life that's full of sin. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. And it says the man departed and told the Jews who it was that made, made him whole. Church today, a lot of us are waiting. A lot of us are waiting on stuff. I've been caught, I've caught myself waiting on certain things. I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for... For, for something to show to me. I'm, I'm waiting for this. And Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are we like this man, this beggar, this crippled man, this depressed uh, person that for 38 years he laid there next to the pool of Bethesda, just waiting for that water to move, and he hopefully would be quick enough. I want you to know, nothing in this world, just like the pool of Bethesda, it's an impossible way to get what you need. A lot of you are looking for an impossible way to find joy. You're looking for it through money. You're looking for it through adultery. You're looking for it through different activities. You're looking for it through parties. You're looking for it through jobs. You're looking for it through family. 
And all those things bring me a little bit of joy, but they don't bring me true joy. The joy unspeakable. The water that Jesus taught that woman at the well that was living water and you'll never thirst again. That was meat that you're going to eat and you're never going to hunger again. You're never going to want anything else in this whole world. This world just, makes you, it just helps you survive. I'm looking forward to a glory land. I want you to know when this man for 38 years was sitting there waiting, how many times he thought about all the horribleness he was going to go through. The longer he sat there, the worse he got. How many of y'all walked around in the pity party so long you done forgot what you was pity partying about? <laughs> I have. I say, woe is me. I can't do this. Woe is me. I can't do that. And I keep laying there and I keep thinking and I keep thinking. I ain't laid in over 38 years. I ain't 38 years old yet. But this man laid here 38 years. Depressed, run down, waiting. As they get a verse of some song ready, he was waiting for something. A lot of days, I believe he was waiting for somebody to help him. He waited for somebody to put their hands on him. He waited for a doctor to come by that has some sort of miracle cure to fix everything and everybody there. He, he waited for so many. He waited for some money. I don't know what he was waiting on. He was waiting for somebody to put him up in a nice home and air conditioning. I know they didn't have that. But he was waiting over and over each week, each month, each year. 38 years he waited. He never got what he was looking for. He never got in that pool. I'm glad you don't have to worry about getting in the pool of Bethesda today. You need to call upon the Lord. The Lord's here. The Lord's calling. His Spirit is here. I want you to know, I know His Spirit's here because He goes with me. I don't leave Him at home, pack Him up in no box. If you want healing, if you want God to help you, today is the day, this hour is the hour. The Bible tells us this life is but a vapor. It's here for a minute and gone the next. If you need help today, Jesus is here.